0: Getting some things together and making some plans and directions of some things that uh, as far as preaching on it and trying to uh, emphasize some things I believe biblically need to be emphasized when it comes to missions. And uh, we're going to deal with some of those things yet today and uh, give you four, four challenges um, from God's Word to try to help us in this area. Lord willing, uh, you've got a list here. Uh, I do not have all their contact information, but Lord willing, we'll have prayer cards for each of these in the months and weeks ahead. Uh, that you can, we'll put them on the wall, and you can uh, take those and uh, take them home with you and try to contact your missionary. Uh, what we're going to do is ask each family uh, to take at least one missionary a month and adopt them for a month and go through and meet with them, talk with them over. Internet or FaceTime or texting or mailing or phone calls or somehow get in touch with them at least once a week. Get to know their family, get to know their mission field, ask how the work is going, uh, what their burdens are, what their needs are. Uh, We want to know how better we can pray for them and uh, get to know their families, get to know their kids, and uh, be involved in that. And then, Lord willing, after we start this, on Wednesday nights, we're going to give just a few seconds, about a about a sixty second or so opportunity for folks that have contacted a missionary that week or the week prior, to give us an update as a church on what you've talked to them about, how they're doing, and help keep our church informed that way with our folks. And uh, that uh, I've so often heard people say, well, we want to be a missions minded church, and we what we mean by that typically is we want to have a lot of missionaries that we support. And we want to have a large budget that goes towards missions. And I've been in churches like that, and if you ask the average church member if they could name five of their missionaries and what field they work on and what their spouse's name or their children's names are, they couldn't tell you. In fact, most of them wouldn't even be able to tell you one at that depth of information. And I often wonder, are we really missions-minded when we, when we do that? I'm not, I'm not uh, criticizing having missionaries that you support. And I'm not criticizing supporting them financially. I think that's all part of what we need to do. But we as God's people need to be involved in the missions program, not just give to the missions program. And so I want to encourage us in the in the weeks ahead. And uh, Lord willing, I, I mean, I don't know how much longer we have before the Lord comes back. I really don't think it's going to be very long. But uh, Lord willing, maybe within the next 12 months, we can even look at putting together a short-term missions trip. Uh, for those that would like to go and take a, a short-term missions trip. I, I love them. Uh, I went to Haiti numbers of times, and uh, but I went on the one-year anniversary. If you all remember back about 12, 14 years ago, they had a really bad earthquake down there. And um, we went on the one-year anniversary after that earthquake back over and spent a week. They were still recovering. They still had debris in the streets. They hadn't cleared Um, A lot of the heavy machinery that a lot of organizations here sent over there were locked up and were not able to be used. They had used it for a television thing to raise funds and then locked up the equipment and didn't let the people use it. And it was just really a sad situation over there. But uh, we went around that week, and I probably talked to, I would say conservatively, probably 30 different missionaries that week. And I interviewed them and talked to them a little bit. And every one of them, I asked this question... um, I said, how did you end up in Haiti? Of all places you could have gone, how did, how did you end up in Haiti? And I would say probably all, but maybe two or three of them said, I came on a short-term missions trip and never left. And they said even though they had to come back and raise support, their heart was there from that point on, and they never left. You never know what God will do on a short-term missions trip. And uh, don't don't let that scare you off to go thinking, well, God might call me to be a missionary. If that's what God has for you, that's the greatest place you can be is in the center of his will. And some of you may say, well, I'm up in years. I can't do that. Well, God can use anybody. And uh, there's always a need. So, Lord willing, I've been praying for a couple of years that we could put together a short term missions trip. I, I think at this point I'm. Praying much more earnestly that direction, and I don't know if God will let us do it or not, but we're going to see what He has, and uh, if there's an interest there, uh, we'd sure love to take some folks. I took uh, the last the last trip I took to Haiti. uh, We had a gentleman that was in a wheelchair. I think he was 84 years old. Endured the trip. Had to be pushed around on those old, uh, you know, the, the rock roads, gravel roads, on the wheelchair. And uh, he could walk a little bit, so some places he had to get up and walk a little bit, but he enjoyed that whole week and spent the week down there ministering and trying to be a help to folks. And so don't think you're too old to go. Don't think you're too crippled up to go. Uh, Where there's a will, there's a way, and we can do it. So I want to encourage you to to be praying about that. All right, Matthew chapter number 9. Matthew chapter 9. We're going to read very familiar verses, but I want to point out a couple things from them that hopefully be a help to us as we pray about our missions program. Verse number 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they tainted and were scattered abroad as sheep. And this one of the saddest statements, having no shepherd. There's a lot of fields out there. When I left Florida, just before I resigned the church down there and moved up to Missouri, we were working with some of the islands out in the Bahamas, and uh, there were two islands that I knew of at that time that had a church building on the island, but no preacher. There was an elder, elderly man that was a deacon at another church, a Plymouth Brethren church, one of the old-time Plymouth Brethren's. And he would travel once a month to these islands and hold a service, and it was for whoever could come. But they didn't have a pastor. They didn't have weekly services. And we were, I was thinking, you know, we don't think of the Bahamas a lot of times as a place that's a a third world country or someplace needing the gospel. But the folks that were on that island had no other way to get the gospel. And that was something within a 45, 50-minute flight from where I was at in Florida. I thought, why are we not reaching them? Just one city north of me in Fort from Fort Pierce in Vero Beach, there was not one fundamental preaching church, Bible-believing church in that whole county. For the years, my dad and I prayed that God would send some. We even helped start a church there a number of years ago. And the the pastor that did that uh, labored there, and our church helped him build a, a work there. And um, his wife ended up coming down with terminal cancer, and as a result of caring for her, had to had to disband the church. And I often wonder how many times we pass by places that are scattered that have no shepherd. And we are fortunate here in Jefferson County, there's a number of churches. If I make you mad and you decide you want to go to another church somewhere, you've got another two or three churches you could look at and at least consider and pray about. But there are places out there, and I think sometimes because of the fact we have so many here, we forget that there are places where there's not even one. And they're starving for the gospel. They're hungering for it. Many of us hold a Bible on our laps. We have two or three of them at the house. And there are people out there, whole groups of people who speak a particular language that do not even have one version of Scripture in their own language. Not one. And I think we forget that. We've grown so accustomed to the great uh, prosperity spiritually even that we have here in the United States that we often forget these things. And Jesus was speaking here, and He says, verse number 37, Then saith He unto His disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous. But the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers unto his harvest. When he called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out to heal all manners of sickness and all manner of disease. He begins to tell these fellows, I want you to go out into the fields. They're white already into harvest. In another place, Christ says, think not ye that there are yet, uh, I think it was four months, to harvest. So I want you to lift up your eyes and look under the fields. They are white already unto harvest. I want us to, uh, let's bow in prayer and, and then we'll, we'll have a lesson here real quick. Father, we pray that you'll bless uh, the teaching of your word. May you use it to be a help to us, to encourage us, to challenge us in this area of missions. Lord, there are so many that are lost. Some we know, some that we do not. And Lord, I'm gonna ask you that you would burden our hearts with the idea and the thought, what if it was one of us that was lost? And there was no one there to tell us. Well, Lord, may we look at missions that way. That it's our soul that may have hung in the balance. Maybe we would have been in a situation like that if it were not for Your grace. And Lord, that there would be such a desire in our hearts that there would have been someone to come and tell us. And I pray that You would help us to look at it from that point of view. That we would see these things and have an understanding of them. As we get involved with our missionaries, Lord, I pray that you would help us to catch the vision and catch the burden of their hearts, be able to pray more fervently and effectively for them, be able to help them in their needs, to be able to maybe even come in person and assist for a short period of time, Lord, that you would open opportunities for us in this great mission field that we live in, as we go day by day out into a world that even here in the United States of America, is, is as a sheep having no shepherd. I pray that you would help us to be watchful, watchful. We would take advantage of every opportunity. Bless the time that we spend here around your Word. May you bless it and use it to edify and encourage us, to strengthen us, perhaps even to convict us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When Jesus was telling his disciples this, he had told them, that they needed to lift up their eyes and look under the fields. And I want to focus on those two thoughts this afternoon. A lot of times we get so entangled with the cares of this world that we're looking in the wrong place. Our eyes are in the wrong place. Oftentimes we pass by souls, literally sometimes scores of them, and do not realize that we're passing by many that are lost, That would never hear the gospel unless somebody were to take time out of their schedule to share it with them. And that's here in the United States. And one of the things that I think in order for us to have a a proper view of missions is we need to refocus our gaze. We need to begin looking at the right things. I, I don't know about you, but in the day we live, the temptation is to put our eyes on all the things that are wrong with our country and this world. We get consumed with it almost. It gets to the point where it consumes our time and our energies of thought and our energies of prayer. Praying for all these wrong things that are going on and being uh, vocal and speaking about these things that are wrong in our world. And I'm not saying it's wrong for us to do that, but it becomes all-consuming to us where nothing else seems to be within our gaze and our mindset. And there are times, I believe, that even in our good intentions of trying to be defending of things that are right and being careful of these things that are wrong, that we become so so enamored with them that we lose focus of things that are truly important, and that is the eternity of man's soul. And how many of them need to hear the gospel yet? If it was me in another land that did not have a preacher, if I was the one that was lost, wouldn't it be my desire to have somebody come and tell me the gospel? What if it was you? What if it was one of your children? The burden of the lost ought to be something that we refocus our eyes on. And when Jesus told His disciples that he was, they were to look under the fields, what He was telling them is, your gaze is in the wrong place. You need to look over here. Lift up your eyes and look under the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. And he didn't want them to just see it. He wanted them to be burdened with it. The Bible says in verse number 36, as we read this, he says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. I wish we could see the mission field the way the Lord Jesus Christ does. There's four goals that I think you and I need to be praying for over the next several weeks. As we look at our missions program, and I think these are easily found in these scriptures that we've read today. Number one, we need to be praying that the Great Commission, the commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, needs to become alive in our hearts once again. It needs to become real. It needs to become something that is, is, is moving us with compassion towards them. We can all quote the Great Commission. We can all go to the scriptures and we can all talk about how we need to be soul winners and telling people the gospel. When was the last time our hearts were broken for it? When was the last time that we brought a missionary in and rather than just thinking in terms of uh, watching his slide presentation and, and greeting his family and let's maybe support him and take him out to eat and, and take care of them while they're here, we were broken hearted over their brokenheartedness for their field that they were sent to. We began to weep and pray with them that God would help them reach the lost in their field. There would be some compassion that we would see when we get our gaze the right way. We began to look at the right things. Again, I love, I love the fact that we support missions here. I love the fact that we give money to missions and help take care of folks that are on the mission field. But have we really been moved with compassion in those areas? Have we, have we even seen the field? Have we seen? Do we know the land that they're serving in? Do we know the burden of the field? Do we know the burdens of the family? So one of the great goals over the next several weeks that I'm praying that God will help us as a church to do is to have the Great Commission come alive in our hearts again. For us to be stirred with it. To be excited about it. To be uh, seeing Lord, what can I do to be a part of this? What can I do to be a help in this area? Not just know it, not just talk about it, but let's get involved in it. Number two, that we would develop a relationship with the missionaries. Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, spoke of the church at Philippi. Uh, the church at Philippi was a great church. They were certainly in a lot of persecution. They had a lot of need, burdens uh, financially in their own lives. There was, uh, they had their own necessities. And yet, Paul commended them. He said that they had communicated unto Him once and again, even in their time of need, when there were times that they needed their own help. They were careful to consider the Apostle Paul and his work, to communicate with him, to understand his needs and burdens and find out what was going on in his ministry. To be able to understand and to know and to pray more, more carefully and fervently and directly about the burden of his, his ministry. And one of the goals that I think, one of the challenges we're looking for over the next several weeks is we understand the burden of the Lord Jesus Christ in this area, that we don't just reach Festus, but that we reach out into the communities surrounding Festus and even the United States and then even into the world in foreign missions, that we understand this idea of the Great Commission, that it become very real to us, secondly, That we become engaged and understand and develop that relationship with our missionaries. Number three, I want to challenge us that we would have a heart for the missionary. And secondly, that we will be able to encourage, or fourthly, that we will be able to encourage the missionary. That we will develop a heart for the missionary and have an encouragement to give to the missionary through that heart. Understanding this, that when we under, when we get a, a renewed view of the Great Commission, when we develop a relationship with the missionary, it does our heart good because we begin to understand some things. And as we communicate with the missionary, it will be an encouragement and a help to them as well. We're, we're not after this just so we can feel better about ourselves in missions, but that we can be a help to others also. It may be that God will call some people out of the pews of Keith the Heights Baptist Church. We're a small church. I don't know what God has in store for each of us. But God may call somebody from this church to go to a mission field. God may put a burden on somebody's heart in these chairs to go to a mission field, to be a missionary, do work that God's called for them to do. Now look with me, if you will, verse number 36. He says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. Then he said, uh, saith he to his disciples, the harvest truly is, what's the next word here? Plenteous, but the laborers are what? Few. We need to be in prayer, not only that we see a harvest, but that God will send forth laborers. Are we praying that God would send forth laborers? I, uh, for many years, when I was a kid, would pray for our missionaries. And mom and dad would uh, have us around sometimes in our family devotion time and give us opportunity to pray. And we would pray for certain missionaries and folks that we knew. You know, as a kid, I never one time thought, Lord, maybe I would be a missionary. Maybe I could be a laborer. But I would ask us to do this over the next and the challenge I would give us over the next few months and weeks is as we get to know the fields, as we get to know the missionaries, as we get to understand and and, and have vibrantly in our lives the Great Commission, I would challenge us to do this. Lord, what would you have me do? Not only do I want to be a help to them, but what would you have me do? For adventure, God may have one of us be a missionary. God may call one of us to do such a thing. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I don't know if I can do that. I've got a career. I've got a job. I've got a family. We had a family a number of years ago come to our church. And I think I've shared this here before, maybe one other time or maybe a couple of times. But a family that came to our church when I was just probably 8 or nine, ten years old, I can still remember the family. I can still see their faces. They had some kids about my age, and I remember playing with them. And uh, we, the man got up and preached and spoke at our uh, service. And then the next day, I think it was at a missions conference, because we had a luncheon with them, and they had a question and answer time for the missionaries. And one of the questions, uh, the fellow was uh, probably about as tall as Brother Kenny, as best I can remember. Maybe it just seemed that when I was... A kid, he seemed big, he was pretty tall, and his wife was really, really small, just petite little thing, skinny and and small, and just looked almost frail, it seemed like. And they were on a mission field, it was a very difficult mission field, I can't remember what country it was, but I remember them telling stories of the hut that they lived in, and how they they had curtains over the windows, no glass in them, and uh, they would uh, have all these uh, poisonous snakes and spiders and all these different critters that uh, were terrible and uh, could kill a, a person and how the boys would go out and play sometimes, their kids. And one of the questions I remember they asked this, the mother of this family, they said, aren't you afraid that with all those things around, that aren't you fearful for your family, your kids? And I'll never forget her answer. I was just a little kid, and she said this, and I'll never forget it. She said, I have learned that the safest place I can ever be is in the very center of God's will. I thought, here's a lady that, for all practical reasons, would have been scared to death to be in a place like that. You just didn't see her as somebody that loved insects or snakes. And she didn't. She was terrified of them. But she knew that the safest place to be was in the very center of God's will. There was a fellow in our church years ago. His name was George Gibson. George Gibson. Brother George used to babysit my sister and I. He he's a great fisherman, Brother Jim. You'd have liked him. He'd take us out fishing as fast as he could bait our hooks. So we'd be pulling fish, and he didn't even get a chance to fish usually. Older gentleman in his early 80s. He used to sit down about where Brother Richard is right now and uh, in our church, and he would um, sit there oftentimes in the service and just weep, as, and my dad would preach. And one day he came down to the altar, uh, eighty some years old, and he said, "I want to surrender to preach the gospel." My dad talked with him and said, "Brother George, uh, why now? You know, what's what was God been doing?" He said, "Well, God called me back when I was a young man." He said he worked for the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company back then. He said, uh, at the time that God was dealing with my heart, they offered me a, a large promotion. In the company. And he said, I prayed about it and he said, I made a wrong choice back then. He said, I had pursued the career and decided I was going to take that advancement in the company. He said, There's never been a day that's gone by that I've regretted the fact because he said, I knew that God had called me to preach the gospel. And for those that may be sitting here today saying, Brother Greg, I can't do it. I am too old, Brother George Gibson began to preach at 80 some years of age. He went into every nursing home he could find. He preached sometimes when my dad was gone from the pulpit. He had other churches in the area that would have him over every once in a while. He was a deacon in our church. He began to preach the gospel, and for the rest of his life, as often as God gave him opportunity, he began to preach. And can I say this, that it could be that God may be calling somebody in our church in the area of missions. And I want us to be looking at our missionaries. I want us to be involved in them. Have our hearts stirred. I want us to be like Christ here. That we'll lift our eyes up. And when we see the multitudes, pray, God, move my heart with compassion. Help me to see them the way that you see them. And let's let's approach our missions program with that kind of heart and that kind of a desire. And say, Lord, if you can help through these missionaries, great. But what can you do through me? Is there something you would have me to do? Let's not just discount the fact that I'm going to help support a missionary. Let's consider the possibility that God may use me to be a missionary. And I want to encourage in this. He says this in verse number 38, and I believe this is where we get this from. He says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. Not just be focused on our missionaries, but praying, Lord, send some laborers. If it's me, let me know. If it's not me, I'll pray for others. But let me pray for laborers to go into the field. We're at a point now where there are far more missionaries coming home and never going back to the mission field than there are being sent to the mission field. We are in a natural decline of missions. And it is not because God quit calling missionaries. It's because many that are called have quit listening. They've quit yielding. They quit saying, Lord, I'll go. I don't know what God has in store. Maybe nobody in our church is called to missions. But I'm going to ask you over the next few weeks as we look into our missions program, say, Lord, what would you have me do? It may be to be here and be faithful and to pray and to give and to be involved in the missionary's work as you can from here. But there may be somebody here that God will say, I want you to go to a foreign mission field or I want you to go and be a missionary in this country or this state or this region. Don't rule it out. In the area of missions, be willing to do whatever it is that God shows you. I, uh, I've i shared oftentimes that my burden when I was graduating high school was to be a missionary. Went to college my first two years as a missions major. God gave me the desire of my heart and that as I got older, I was able to go on these short-term missions trips. And I've said it so often before, I've wept and been brokenhearted every time I've had to leave that field. I've looked down out of the airplane windows and seen the needle, and thought, Lord, why are you letting me leave this place? Why not just plant me here and let me work? God has something for me back here in the States and I've often said if He would even crack the window, I'd be out the door in a heartbeat. And uh, I don't know, there may come a day way down the road. I'm not saying you're going to lose your pastor anytime soon, so don't be, don't be afraid of that. But I don't know, maybe when I get too old to pastor and I can't do much more, uh, God will let me get on a mission field somewhere and just help a missionary. Just do something to help them. And uh, I want to encourage you, don't rule out God using you. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that He will send forth laborers into the field. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'll bless In the area of missions, as we look in the next few weeks and months, we begin to teach some things about biblical missions. Lord, may we have a heart for it. May we understand it. May we have a desire for it to be right, to be biblical. Father, may You impress upon our hearts. May You move our hearts with compassion. And help us to be so burdened that we're willing to say, Yes, Lord. If you call us, if you ask us to go, our answer will already be yes. So, Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom and guidance over the next few weeks. As we look at the missionaries we already support, as we make some considerations about some, uh, and then maybe even taking on some new ones, I pray that you would give us wisdom and direction in those areas. Bless us now. As we leave this afternoon, I pray that you'd help us to keep the messages in the Sunday school hour, the 11 o'clock hour, and then even this afternoon, upon our hearts and our minds that we'll meditate and dwell upon them and that we would not quickly allow them to leave our hearts and our minds. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.